right side. Yes! Touchdown! And a dagger! Looks, he hits, throws the right yes! side. Yes! He's got Cobb of the 10 to the 5! Yes! Has your mental health ever suffered at the hands of the Green Bay Packers? Then this is the show for you. Welcome to Today in Town, the safest space for Packers fans. My name is Griffin. You can follow me on Instagram at AllDayPackers, and I'm joined by my good friend Braun, who you can follow on Instagram at Lambo.Leapers. Braun, how are you, buddy? Griff, I'm good. There's a lot to discuss. Obviously, we are now not only coming off a loss, uh, but also coming off the bye week, and all we've had as Packers fans is kind of all this time, these extra days where we're not playing, and we're just kind of sitting in this this bubble of sadness. So it'll be good to talk and, and chat with not only you, Griff, but the fans who left us voicemails and emails. And we'll kind of dive into the current state of the Packers, which many fans are not happy with, and also how we can figure things out, not only in the future, but this immediate future, uh, as we head into a Week 7 matchup with the Broncos, where we need to right the ship as we try to, despite being a young team, we're still trying to win games and make the playoffs. So right into the thick of it here, and it's going to be fun to talk about it. The Packers are coming directly off of their bye week, but before that, they did lose to the Las Vegas Raiders on Monday Night Football, as I'm sure we are all aware, to drop to 2-3 and three on the season as they enter like Braun said, their Week 7 matchup with the Broncos. So there's a lot to talk about here. We've got a lot of voicemails and emails that pretty uh, pretty clearly paint the many problems with this team right now. But we're not only talking problems, Braun. We're talking solutions, too, on this show. But before we get into any of that, we do have to mention that if you want your take featured on the show, you can contact us by emailing us at todayinsidletown at gmail.com, or if you'd rather send us a voicemail to get played on the show, you can call the number 920-412-7997. That is 920-412-7997. Call that number, leave a voicemail, potentially get featured on the show, like many of the listeners will be today. So, Braun, I mean, where do we even start? Well, Griff, no better way to start than to let our voices of our fans be heard, and why don't we just start with a voicemail, Griff? Okay, let's just jump right into it. So, just like last week, we did post on our Instagrams calling for fans to call in or email us, share their thoughts based on the loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. So, many of these voicemails and emails, like I said, are uh, direct responses to that loss. So, let's start with this first one from an unnamed caller. Jordan Love sucks. We need to get rid of him. Um, I'm out. Okay. I'm off the love train. It's over. Now, I thought that was a perfect one to uh, start out with because, I mean, it's short, simple, straight to the point. Jordan Love sucks. We need to get rid of him. And this guy's off the love train. That's what he says. So, Braun, initial reaction to that voicemail. Well, when your quarterback throws three picks in a game that you feel like you should win, it's difficult. I mean, and that definitely contributed to the loss. Nothing is all on Jordan Love, obviously. We've been over that countless times, but it doesn't help when he's not making those throws that you need him to make. So, disappointing. I, but I have a lot of faith in Jordan. I, I do think that he is finding his way. I like what he's able to do from an elite throw standpoint. And by that I mean I feel like I'm seeing those flashes here and there that signify elite quarterback talent and elite quarterback play. And that was what I asked of him and, and that's what probably every fan asked of him coming into his first year as the starter, to be able to just show that ability to throw the football at an elite level. And, and I feel like I'm seeing that 
although it's a little bit inconsistent, I'd like to see him play better and not get worse as we go because it seems like these last several games it's been getting worse and worse somehow. <laughs> but there's a lot of factors that go into that, and I get that fans are not happy, but we've got to ride with what we've got right now, and I do think there will be better days ahead for Jordan and for this offense. It's just right now... Obviously, stewing in this loss for nearly two weeks is difficult, but I like where we're at from a development standpoint. It's just time now to, to see the positives start to pile up as opposed to these negatives, and that, that's been the case, sadly, is the negatives are piling up for Jordan and the offense. Isn't it interesting to see the trends shift after every game? Because before this Week 5 game against the Raiders, it felt like the majority of the fan base was believing in Jordan. You know, even after some rocky performances throughout the season so far, it felt like most of the fan base was behind Jordan and took the stance of, these are growing pains and he has to develop still. But that Week 5 game against Las Vegas may have been a tipping point for folks because... When I we always say that like, oh we got so many emails and voicemails thank you but when I say that this week like more than we've ever gotten and most of them very angry well for one they were angry with Joe Barry which is you know a guarantee with these voicemails but also Jordan Love and I feel like I've been seeing a lot more people losing faith in Jordan now if I'm gonna talk about what I think here Bron I know you love to hear what I think um, I'm concerned about Jordan Love. I am I am officially concerned about Jordan Love. Let me quickly say this, Griff. I did, as you know, I did take a poll of over 6,000 Packers fans, and 78% of them still believe in Jordan Love as the quarterback of the future for the Green Bay Packers. So there's certainly been, I'm sure maybe that number would have been higher two weeks ago, three weeks ago, but there's certainly still a strong base of fans that believe that Love can right this ship. So with that, what are your thoughts? This is very tough for me, as everyone knows. This is a very hard thing to talk about and, you know, make sense of how I feel about the quarterback position right now. And five weeks into his first year as the starter, I've I've seen too much bad. I think it really comes down to that. For As to why I am concerned about Jordan Love's future in Green Bay, I've seen too much bad. And everyone's telling me growing pains, but I'm sorry, it's year four in the NFL for Jordan Love, and the misses that we are seeing from him, they're not a product of him being a raw talent, you know? He's throwing the ball directly to linebackers. He's been in the league for three and a half years. That was the worst pick I've ever seen. that stuff... That was really bad. I know. Ugh, brutal. But he's been in the league for three and a half years, and you'd think that that kind of thing should have been ironed out by now. And I get it, he's a first-year starter, and there are no reps that are as valuable as live reps, but growing pains, to me, when you talk about growing pains, it's like, you know, delay of game penalties, mental stuff, getting sacked by unblocked blitzers, not recognizing disguised coverages, but we're not seeing of any of that stuff with Jordan. For the most part, he has handled the technical side of running an offense pretty well. These struggles that we see with Jordan are fundamental struggles inaccuracy, timing, decision-making, the stuff that has looked really bad at times this year, and I am not entirely sure that these are growing pains, necessarily. That is uh, certainly, that's a fair point. I would say that there are those misses, but I also love that, no pun intended, I do think that he's making elite throws from time to time. Obviously, less of that against the Raiders, 
and that was a game where you probably wanted to see him play at an, uh, at an elite level. But you can't forget about what he did in Week 1 and Week 2. I mean, those games were three touchdowns and no interceptions, and no matter how he played, maybe he had some missed throws here and there. When you put that kind of product on the on the board and you're able to win those games and, and do those things, or just in general score points for the offense, I just think that there is something to be said about that when he's just starting now for the first time this year. Although, yes, this is year four. I don't think it was ever going to be perfect. It would have been a very shocking surprise to me if things were perfect. Aaron Rodgers wasn't perfect last year with the same, mostly the same group of guys on offense, although they've surrounded Jordan with more talented youth than than Aaron had. There's really no veterans for him, and now the youth is, is still kind of adapting themselves. So it's just a lot of moving parts. The offensive line is still hurt, and obviously we've lost David now for the season. Just so much going on. Elton's back, but he didn't play well. I'm curious to know what uh, Jordan's PFF passing grade was, Griff. I don't know if you know that off the top of your head. Um, Jordan Love's passing grade was not as bad as I thought it might have been. 47.1, so well below average. Yeah, well, so the average is 60. That, like, that, you know, an average grade would be 60, and he's... 13 points below that that's discouraging um, but you throw three picks yeah. that tends to happen I, I, I wish that we didn't have to deal with this kind of conversation um, because the conversation just maybe three weeks ago was that this guy many fans feel like this guy is going to be a top 10 quarterback for years to come Griff you've kind of been skeptical the whole way through because he is making those missed throws and he's making those mistakes and there's a lot of issues with the offense um but again, on the same you know, on the same token, the Packers' offense has the seventh most touchdowns per game from the offensive side of the ball, and they're in front of the yeah, Eagles. Yeah, you shared that stat. I did share yesterday. that stat. Yeah, so that's isn't I mean, that an interesting one? That's an interesting stat. I mean, they're they're behind some of the best teams in the league, and then they're number seven out of thirty-two, and then right behind them is the Philadelphia Eagles who were just in the Super Bowl. I mean, so it's very bizarre. This offense is so hard to judge. Same with the defense. I mean, one week they're playing like an elite-level defense, and the next week it's like, what's going on? It's just, it's very weird. It's it, There's a lot to be figured out still. Like, we don't know anything about this team yet. Isn't that so funny how we really know nothing about this team and we're about to go into week seven? I feel like I have a good grasp of this team. Yeah, I think you do. Negative, Nancy. I'm a... I'm a very glass half empty guy this year. I thought you were a glass but, some I don't water in the glass guy. I thought what happened to yeah, that? Yeah, what did I say two weeks ago? Yeah. There's some there's some water in the in the glass, but there's also some water missing from the glass. Now, you're right when you say that I've been skeptical all season. Um and that is because coming into the year, I said it over and over, I wanted to see him be a game manager. I wanted to see him play like Kirk Cousins, because I think that's his ceiling. I think he can probably be that good facilitator. See, people scoff at that, that sentence you just said. That his well, listen. It's a whole lot better than what we're looking at on Monday night because that was not Kirk Cousins. I, that was sure, but like, who do you compare that? Every to? listener, maybe I, we may have lost listeners when you just st- that statement is tough to hear for people. And I don't know if I like even putting that. No, kind I know of people don't like Kirk Cousins. People don't like the game manager label on a quarterback. But listen, you can win Super Bowls with a game manager at quarterback. The Patriots did it six times. 
that is a great way to put it. But I, because uh, yeah. I hate Tom Brady. But uh, <laughs> I certainly don't know if that's a great thing to say because I watched Jordan and he looks like Aaron Rodgers from literally a physical standpoint, the way he throws the ball. And I don't oh, want to cap sidearm. Yes, I don't want to cap him as Kirk Cousins because I think he throws the ball much prettier than Kirk Cousins does. Like I think he throws the ball much I, better. I don't. I think sometimes I'm watching a different team because when I just think the ball comes out of his hand very nicely, and that's a, and and he puts it in the right spot on some of these throws. We haven't seen enough to make all these crazy statements, Griff. That's my point. I just don't think it's fair to cap him at Kirk Cousins on his sixth start. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just I wanna I wanna let No, I, that was the bar six weeks ago. Now the bar is not Kirk Cousins. No, now, now the bar, the bar is, is like... Sean Clifford. That's the bar. That's the bar. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I I'm not I'm not saying anything about Clifford yet. It's only week seven. But you know, if this was year one for Jordan, like if he was a 20-year-old rookie and he was struggling like this, I would have more faith that these are just growing pains and, you know, it's all going to get better. But I don't know, man. It's year four. And tell me, Bron, do you think he looks much different than he did in November of 2021 against Kansas City? Well, you made a great point. Because You've made great points about this in the past, but like if he was going to struggle coming out of the gate in year four as the starter... Right, your your one is the starter, your four of his career. If he was going to struggle out of the gate at this point, then what's the point of having him sit for three years if he's going to struggle in both scenarios? That's that's really, you know, like is the three years of sitting, drafting him and having him sit for three years for only a marginal improvement, if that, like in terms of what it might have looked like in year one. But what would he have looked like in year one starting? Would he have been significantly worse, or would it have been about the same? That's the. I mean, is it? I worth think there it? probably would have been more picks. Maybe I yeah, think there probably more would picks. Have been more picks, but like, but how much? I like, mean, is it worth it? Got, he need, I feel like he's got yeah. seven big time throws on the year. This is another tangential point that no one cares about. But PFF gave Jordan Love a a, a big time throw on Monday night. If anyone has any idea what throw that is, a big time throw on Monday night. Because I can't figure it out. I'm thinking it must have been the 77-yarder to Christian Watson. But that was all yards after the catch. I don't know why Jordan would get a big-time throw for that. I don't know. If someone who works for PFF, please let me know. So, I, I just... I don't know, Griff. I mean, I... It's, it's difficult for me because I really don't know what I was just saying. I can't remember. <laughs> It's still, it's just early, I feel like, for me to make determinations and grand statements about it. I I just think that we need to see more from him. It's discouraging that it hasn't been better, but I don't know. What can we ask out of him with with this current group? It's been difficult on all facets of this offense, and even the defense, it's been difficult at times. I Like, it's just all, all around. So it's not just Jordan. We have to remember that, too. But it's not like he's totally that. he's not that. totally elevating what we have either. In the Saints game, he elevated our offense at the end to help us win the game. And his ability got us that win to a certain extent for sure. But in these other games, he's he's not only not doing that, but he's at sometimes dragging us down with the turnovers that are at the worst times and then the misthrows or the bad decisions or taking sacks. There's things that he's doing that I 
feel like can be rectified. And hopefully this bye week helped. Some time to review and rest and recover and other other things like that. Getting Aaron Jones back. Elton Jenkins fully healthy. A million things you could list off and on. But there's got to be something at some point that makes you feel more confident than just the flashes. We're getting into that second half of the season time where we have to start seeing more progress as we get to Thanksgiving ball. I know that it's not all on Jordan Love. I don't want anyone to think that I'm a straight-up hater and I'm, he's responsible for everything that's wrong because, trust me, there are not there's not many things going right for this offense right now. Pretty much every part of this unit is going poorly and playing poorly and performing at a level that is not good enough to win football games, including the quarterback. But it's not all on Jordan, and I know that. So I'm going to bridge us to our next email here from Gooey. I, I think I said that right, Gooey. Um, he says, who's to blame for the loss? Well, Jordan Love had to wait inside the pocket and extend the play a great number of times. There's three possibilities for this. Bad separation from the receivers, bad concepts, or just a hesitating Jordan Love. Definitely look good, but still Joe Barry shouldn't be a defensive coordinator. See, now I remember... What was it? Five minutes ago, I said that all these emails and voicemails have to mention Joe Barry. It's mandated, including this one from Gooey. But Gooey's main point here is the three reasons for Jordan Love extending the play and getting out of the pocket so often uh, against the Raiders was bad separation, bad concepts, and a hesitating Jordan Love. All the all the above. Those are Those all are true. All, and that's kind of what I all of them are factors. Right. So there are people want to put the blame on on any one thing you know and we kind of feed into that when we post on instagram who's to blame for the packers loss um but listen we need engagement and that gets you to call the show but it's not all on one person or one position it's on everything it's on the coaching matt lafleur calls play action deep shots with two routes that just aren't open and no one's getting open and jordan has nowhere to go with the ball and he has to take a sack we also have plays where we have four routes available for Jordan and none of them are open. And then there's also plenty of plays where a guy is wide open. And sometimes it's even Jordan's first read and Jordan will sit there staring at him and he won't throw it for, I don't know why. To sum this all up, Bron, my point is that no matter how critical I am of Jordan, I know it's not all on him. And I know that this offense is not good in any way, but Jordan does not help. He does not you know, he does not raise the production of this offensive personnel when he's turning down open slant routes or he's bailing from a clean pocket or he's throwing the ball directly to linebackers. Again, let's hope that this bye week had some kind of opportunity to learn from these mistakes and and look at some of this stuff and review and self-correct and all these different things that we need to do. Let's hope that this bye week was fruitful in that manner and maybe love can kind of settle down. You get that week off for some perspective and to reflect a little bit on the start for him and, and what it's looked like for the offense. And now you can kind of go into this this stretch where we're going to have a lot of games coming up and we're starting away in Denver. This is a good game to get it right and kind of just look and see what you've been doing and try to do things a little more differently, a little more efficient on offense, the play calling, get him in rhythm like we talked about last week. That in-game confidence, which wavers with any player, that's such a that's such a fluid thing, that in-game confidence, because you could be having a bad day and lose your confidence for that day as a player. But if we can get Jordan in rhythm early, 
He can keep that confidence, maintain it, stretch it through multiple games, and that's how you become a great player in this league. So I think if we can get that going for him with these short completions, it'll open all that downfield stuff that they're trying to do now. I think it'll be opened up later if we just establish the fundamentals of the passing game for Jordan and have him hit it. Matt LaFleur, I'm hoping this week he really figured out how how to call plays again because whatever offensive identity he's trying to throw out there, it's just it doesn't exist and he doesn't have the personnel to run it well enough because they, they want to be a, a grind the football, run the ball 30 times a game team, but the, they can't run block. They want to be this cheeky little, you know, outthink the defensive coordinator, trick play team. Well, every time they try one of these stupid plays, something goes wrong and it ends up on someone's low light reel. And they don't do anything well. The play action game isn't well enough. The deep shots aren't there. Matt LaFleur has really had trouble scheming up open receivers and... It is shown through basically about every offensive statistic since week one for the Packers. Now, talking about these receivers, they have issues as well. And I know they're young as well. And I didn't expect, you know, anything really major from guys like Jaden Reed coming into this season or Dontavian Wicks. But that group, the receiving group, has just not been good enough. That was shown on Monday night against the Raiders because... No one in that group did just about anything outside of Christian Watson's big 70-yard catch. Um, But some of these guys, man, they can just look so slow on these deep shots that Matt LaFleur calls. Like, Romeo especially, he's got this tendency at the top of his breaks to just, like, juke nobody for no reason. Like, the defense will be playing zone coverage, and Romeo will get a free release on a deep dig route. And Romeo just slows up at the top of the route and the the pass protection can't hold up. And just by the time three seconds have gone by and Jordan needs to get, have gotten rid of this football, you look around and there's just no one open and there's no time for it. And that happens quite a bit. Well, I mean, those are just minute details that only they can fix. But it's a generalization of what the problems are with this offense, which is Matt LaFleur trying to do too much and Jordan Love not really being able to do it. So it's just a, a combination of bad, bad, that, bad. I guess that is that is the foundation of our problems. I mean, when you've got what you just said. two wrongs, they certainly don't make a right. So we've got to get it figured out. It sucks. I don't even want to think about how many problems I've watched on tape and how many you, you've seen it all as well. Like, just it's not fun to watch. And we're like, what is the thought process? And we're thinking like, well, what is Jordan? We don't even like, what's the design? What's the what's Jordan going through? It sucks. This sucks. But uh, they've got to figure it out, and hopefully they did, because now can't lose this game to Denver just from a, a moral standpoint. I mean, the fan base, you will be just completely devastated if, you know, our season's practically essentially over if you lose to a team that's, that's that poor. So we have to get this win. It's a game we should win, and I don't care that we're on the road. It's a team we should beat because our defense is too good, their offense is too bad. We should win that game. All right, we're going on to the next uh, email here. This one coming from a longtime listener of the show, Jack. Thanks for always emailing us, Jack. We appreciate it, even though he uh, tends to disagree with us. But he says, first off, you can't blame that loss on Joe Barry, and we had two of our backup linebackers playing most of the game. Well, to cut Jack off with this email, I would I would not blame Joe Barry after that one. I thought the defense played fine for most of the game against the Raiders. Um, Most of the emails that we received, like I said, are blaming Joe Barry. But after that game, I mean, I can't. Outside of one play where Preston Smith covered Devontae Adams, 
I was pretty pleased with the defense overall. It's definitely difficult when you don't have uh, you don't have your signal caller, or the guy who's getting everybody in the spot with Devondre in the first place, and then the other right. guy and Quay. And Qu- I was just gonna say, then when your second guy that does that is out, and those two guys are elite players, so when you don't have those guys on the field, it's tough, especially because they're controlling everything that goes on in the middle of the field, and they just have so many responsibilities. When you have Isaiah McDuffie. And Eric Wilson's played pretty well, but when you have McDuffie in there, and it just it, the, the lower you get on the totem pole, the harder it's going to be to to replace the guys that you had. So that's that's definitely one of the issues with the defense and stopping the run and covering some of these intermediate routes that we're having issues with as well. Quick aside, I do uh, do like a little amateur grading process when I watch the film of the Packers, and um, McDuffie and Wilson both finished with negative grades for me. After the Raiders game, but I just like those players. I think I think they're weird athletic types. They both play with a lot of, a lot of grit. They'd be they'd be good on uh, Dan Campbell's team. I think. But you're continuing with Jack's email, you, you're quite a nerd. <laughs> you saying I don't have grit? I'm saying you don't have any athleticism yourself. How about that? <laughs> Jack says, I know Jay Love threw three picks. The first one was god-awful. But before you throw him under the bus, pump the brakes here. See, Jack knows us. Jack knows me, at least. I like that about Jack. He says, the guy needs all the help he can get, simply put. He can't do this all on his own in his first year as QB1. With that said, here are some losses he's had to deal with. Number one, no David Bakhtiari. Number two, no Aaron Jones. Number three, receiving core is young and they make mistakes at key times. True. We all know this is a transition year and we are very young, but call me crazy, I still think we can go 9-8 and eight and get the seventh seed in the NFC playoffs. That, to me, would be a successful season, like how the Eagles finished three years ago. Thank you both for entertaining us on your podcast and keep the faith Packer Nation. Well, thank you, Jack, for emailing us. We really appreciate it. So, Bron, what was your uh, what are your thoughts on that email from Jack? Well, that's a great email to to get his thoughts. I feel like he made nothing but good points there. There's a lot of things going on around what we do with Jordan. Um, we just talked about it. I mean, it's it's really there's a lot of things. I think the youth of the receivers is a little bit underplayed this year, just because it's not Aaron uh, at quarterback. It's a combination of youth that we have. But, like, think about in years past, the way that this this receiving core, the mistakes would be much more highlighted. And now I think it's harder to tell whether it's Jordan or the receiver's mistakes. And I think sometimes people assume it's Jordan just because he's the quarterback. But a lot of the times the receivers are making mistakes now as well. It's, mis- it's miscommunications or it's just wrong routes. I, and you see that on the film. Clearly there was, like, a, a miscommunication or somebody made an error or things are showing up where routes whether it's by design or more likely the receiver is running the wrong route or running it incorrectly, there's things that just don't make sense from a scheming standpoint that it shows up on the film and it looks pretty bad. So that's probably contributing to why the offense isn't isn't looking as sharp from a play-calling standpoint, the way it's showing up on tape. And then when you have got one guy makes the play wrong, then all the other guy, all 10 of the others are, are going to be messed up and the play's not going to work. So... That's why football is such a beautiful game. you got all 11 guys that need to do their job at a high level in order for a play to be successful. And if it, one of them doesn't, then they're in trouble. And what happens when Green Bay drafts a bunch of new guys and they have a bunch of youth is when you get into these spots, one all it takes is one guy to, to have one young rookie error, and that happens multiple times throughout a game, and then you've got a lot of plays that don't work out. And that's where they're at right now. But hopefully, like we said, this bye week is, was an opportunity to clean all that up 
and they have to do it in order to be better and make the playoffs like Jack hopes, and we all hope. Yeah, the Raiders game was really weird from a receiver standpoint for me because it's not like it's not like our guys weren't getting open per se. I mean, the Raiders, they were playing zone coverage for over 95% of the game. You know, their guys were playing 10 yards off the line of scrimmage, looking like a Joe Barry defense out there. I mean, Braun, how many times during that game did we say, just hit Christian on the out route at the top of the screen? I mean, it's right there. The uh, corner is 10 yards off. Always and it's a free eight yards. There's so many it's, things where I'm like, that's immediately open. Throw the ball. And then it's just, like, just not throw it. Looking. Just throw it right there. And he did it twice. And it was like, okay. Let's do that again. Why don't we do that every time when the Raiders are giving you this? Um, but anyways, it's not really an issue of our guys weren't getting open, in my opinion. You know, the Raiders, they were playing zone coverage. They're not pressing at the line. So to have a lack of options that are open for Jordan to throw to, to me, that's on scheme. And partially that's on quarterback as well. You know, there are too many plays where there's no one open and that's on Matt. But there are also, there's so many plays where guys are open and Jordan either doesn't look to it or he doesn't have time to look to it. But it's the the receivers, when they're pressed up on the line, they can't get open. But there are still issues, even when we're facing zone coverage, as we saw against the Raiders, where Matt just can't scheme anyone open. And when he does, Jordan doesn't get to look to it because he doesn't have time or he just doesn't throw it for whatever reason. Just everything's a mess right now. But the youth certainly does not help for the Packers at the receiver position. And, Bron, I thought you made a good point when you mentioned that we would be making a bigger deal of this if Rodgers was the quarterback. (laughs) We'd be making a much bigger deal of this. And, you know, it wasn't that long ago that we were complaining, as we often do, about the receiving talent on this team. It was in, like, March or April. We were talking about how there's just – it's going to be hard to measure jo- – it's going to be hard to evaluate Jordan Love in year one throwing to this group of guys. And, I mean, we were saying that, and it's kind of true right now. It, it's very it's hard very to true. evaluate him very, with very this true. supporting cast. Now, Jack makes a note on the offensive line, as many have. We got many emails and voicemails talking about the offensive line. And – I don't know. They, I, Max Crosby is a great player. He had seven pressures. Rashid at left tackle gave up four pressures. Zach Tom gave up four pressures at right tackle. It, he was very hard to deal with all night long. But overall, I don't think the offensive line was any worse than they've been this season. And I saw one particular take on Twitter that said that the offensive line was the root cause of all their problems right now. This was on Tuesday morning. And I was thinking, okay, they didn't play that bad last night, I don't think. And so I go to PFF Premium Stats. Jordan loves stats from a clean pocket on Monday night. That is no pressure. First of all, he was kept clean on 67.6% of his dropbacks against the Raiders. His stats when he was kept clean, 13 of 22. That is a completion percentage of 59.1. Two interceptions, a 44.5 passer rating, and a 59 PFF passing grade. Even when he was kept clean, he was not productive against the Raiders' defense. Now, is that on the quarterback? Is that on coaching? I think it's on both of them. But I don't think the offensive line was that big of a deal on Monday night specifically. Well said, Griff. Let's move to our next voicemail. I I don't know what to think anymore. Is it Jordan Love? Is it the receivers? Is it the O-line? Is it the defense? I don't know. I, I need some clarity. I need some hope for the future. You think we'll be good this year? You think we'll be good next year? I, I need something. Ah, do you think we'll be good this year? Do you think we could be good next year? 
Now, this particular caller is uh, feeling what I think we all felt on Monday night. Just, I don't know what to think anymore. I don't know what to do anymore, quite frankly, being a fan of this team. Um, and I get it, you know, is it Jordan Love? Is it the receivers? Is it the O-line? Is it the defense? Well, the answer is that it's, yes, it's all of them. This team is very young, and if you want hope for the future, I think you just have to think about the possibilities of all of these guys in two to three years, maybe one to two years, the Jaden Reeds, the Christian Watsons, the Romeo Dobbs, I think there is a lot of potential for those guys in the next couple years to be really special. And this could just be a really rough transitionary period, a bridge year. They call it that. There's a term for that in football, the bridge, a bridge year. That could be what this is. Yeah, I mean, I think about the the hope that I have is that there's there's a growth that is like a a complete whole team growth because of the youth that we have on offense and how they all could make these steps together and develop together and each step they take is like one big step for the whole group. I feel like there's value in that. I talked to a player last week and there was a, we had a conversation about what that might look like and. And he, he sees that happening on a day-to-day basis, and, and that's on all levels in the receiving room. And and just when you make these strides and go through these moments of losses and, and difficulties together, when one receiver makes a mistake, all these other guys might have made that same mistake because they're just all on that similar level. Uh, so it's just one of those things where you have to kind of just enjoy the moments of learning and try to win these games as you go. But they're all going to learn from each mistake, and I think they're going to get better collectively. And hopefully now we can, like Griff said, if it's not this year, we have this time to grow and and get better as a team, and Jordan's going to learn, and everybody's going to learn. I think we can do it, though. I I think we can do it this year. I just need to see more, and it's going to have to start this week, like I mentioned. But I I think there is room for us to continue to win games. We're sitting here at 2-3. and three. It is not the end of the world yet by any means, and the way that they've got now seven playoff teams, you can easily see Green Bay sneaking in if they just start winning more games than they lose. So let's go one game at a time. Yeah, and in get order a win in to sneak in, in order to sneak in, you got to win games. And I think like they can. The We've game. won two out of five. You go to Denver, you win that game. We're a 500 football team. This is what it looks like if we can True. get this yeah. win. I mean, do you not feel confident about winning in in Denver? Because I think we're gonna win. No, I like us. I like our chances in Denver, although the altitude scares me. I don't think the altitude is going to separate a win for us, Griff. I think we can win this football <laughs> game. I do. So I mean, I, I, I also thought they'd beat the Raiders. The loss to the Raiders was really disheartening for me because you lose to the Lions. Okay, that's a great football team. You lose to the Falcons by one point. Okay, could have it, it could have gone either way. That the results of that game. But losing to the Las Vegas Raiders, being unable to do anything on offense outside of one single 37-yard drive, it was really discouraging. I mean, I don't know what else to say. Well, that's why now we have this bye week, and and this is what it's about. I mean, you're coming off your bye. You expect to win the football game against a team that's 1-5. That's the truth. So this this should be a win. If you don't win this game, it's a big, big ending for our hopes, I feel like. Even though, yes, could we win our next 10, whatever. But when you <laughs> when you go and do what we do in that scenario where we, we lose against a team that's 1-5 going in off our bye week, that is tough. Yeah, that that's killer. 
You know what else would suck? Losing to the Las Vegas Raiders, like, on primetime. Well, we did that one. Really yeah, time. Not, not, not fun that one. But all right, Griff, let's move to our next let's move to our next email. Um Andy Hegg sent us a really great email. Andy says that the next few years are a rebuild, whether we as Packers fans want to admit it or not. Aaron Rodgers' talent was a band-aid for a mediocre team for years. Jordan playing how he has should be expected. The team needs time to mold and grow. The draft and free agency the next two years will be vital. Tonight's fault, that is the Raiders game, um, Andy says the faults for that game fall on bad play calling, the defense, and the lack of experience and leadership in the locker room. He says that it looks like a bunch of kids running around out there, especially on offense. He says, time to lower expectations and be ready for some losing for a couple years. We're not used to it when we have had 30 years of Hall of Fame quarterback play, but that's not love. Wow. Well, that's a strong statement. He made a couple strong statements about leadership in the locker room, which I think starts at the top with Matt LaFleur, which that could be argued and a great point even. And then obviously making that statement about he does not think Jordan Love can be what we've been in Green Bay for the whole history of our franchise being based around Hall of Fame quarterback play. Now, I'm going to ask you this, Griff, first, about that that latter point. Do you think if if you are are you comfortable with Jordan not being that caliber quarterback? Like if he's not an elite quarterback, do you, I am? Yes, I'm comfortable with that. There's a, I'm ready for him to be a game manager. That's what I want. I mean, but how long will you be a game manager and be the quarterback? I mean, it's just it makes it a lot more difficult when you don't have an elite elite quarterback. Now, if if Jordan never rises to that level, how long is his leash? You know, and and how many years will we actually be satisfied? Now, these are the conversations that we're going to be having. The question is, when are we going to start having these conversations? It doesn't seem like the organization is questioning their faith in him yet. Not that we'd have any clues into that mindset, but it doesn't seem like anyone's ready to have that conversation. The question is, when would they be ready to have that conversation? Because it's not going to be an easy one, but... We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But to answer your question, Braun, yeah, I'm totally okay with him not being Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he would ever be Aaron Rodgers, but I need something a little bit better than this. All right, well, then let me also ask you about, because I'm kind of done with the Jordan Love conversation for the day. Let me ask you about Matt LaFleur and the leadership in the locker room that we just heard about from Andy. What do you think about just the leadership? Although it's tough for us to judge considering, Griff, you're not a player and neither am I. And we're not in the locker room. No, you just mentioned my uh, poor athletic ability. Right. And for me, I'm obviously not in the locker room as well. Although I am, I should have <laughs> probably been on the team this year. But you are athletic. I, certainly, yes. But no. So, what, I mean, it's just we don't have that true perspective. But we know what these players are like. And, and you, you, we listen to all their, you know, we have to do this as, as what we do. We listen to their interviews and we hear what they say. And then you watch what they do on the field. There's a lot that goes into leadership that we can and do get to see. And of course, we've talked to these players a bunch as well. So what, what do you think about the leaders in the locker room? Who do you point to as the leaders for this team? And then do you look at them as able to lead a championship even playoff level caliber team so tell me about that griff what do you think on defense i think there are plenty of leaders i don't know if a def- i don't know how locker room works in the nfl but you think a defensive leader can be a a leader for the whole team or is like a kenny clark is a jair going to be 
more of leader for the defense. So I will I let know. me quickly but address. As for the offense, there are no leaders except Aaron Jones. Yeah. So there's the, that. That was I was just about to say. I mean, I do have an idea of what it's like. Not going to get into specifics about, but like I do know what it what a locker room looks like and and the nature of leadership. And I think yes, you can have a defensive leader be the leader of your football team in general, but it has to be a lot of it even half of it or more is done on the field and what that product looks like for you as a player. So then when you throw that in with what Rashawn Gary does, I think that and, and Jair Alexander are the two that you can say kind of have those on-field ability paired with what they do off the field in the locker room. There is that potential there, but I don't think it's all the way there yet because they have not done anything like from a winning standpoint that gives you that aura where you can show other guys what it looks like to win at the highest level because we have done, we have nobody that's really done that in Green Bay and in, and does it at the level like a Jair or Rashawn we just don't have that match so the defense it's tough and then on offense the problem is it's just they're just a bunch of youth and Aaron Jones who's played with Aaron Rodgers and so Aaron Jones is a, a premier leader for us, maybe our most important leader, David as well when he's healthy, but he's out of the picture right now. So it's, I mean, it's just the point by Andy is very valid, I think, that there's a lack of clear leadership. And then when you don't have a player-led team like we've had for so many years in Green Bay, you need the head coach to be the leader. And I don't think he's been that for us, and I don't think he ever has. Well, Braun, hold that thought because I've got the perfect email to uh, segue to. It comes from Kirk Kintop, who wrote us a really great email. I'm going to pick one part of it to read out here. Kirk says, LaFleur's few statements he gave the sideline reporter on his way to into the locker room at halftime last week against Detroit were some of the most pitiful words and the most pathetic delivery I think I've ever seen come from a grown man, let alone an NFL head coach in some time. To be down 27-3 to at the half and not be able to take on the blame of your misuse of talent, misallocation of players, and mismanagement of a football game and to instead direct the blame onto your players by saying, I want this team to fight while crying your eyes out on national television, and not to mention it only being the fourth week of an 18-week season is completely irresponsible, and frankly, as a fan, it's embarrassing. Then to go into that press conference following the game and trash or verbally subdue or even almost attempt to embarrass the journalist for a very simple yet reasonable question to ask a head coach was immature at best. It was very clear that Matt LaFleur was in full panic mode because he doesn't know how to manage a young team without a four-time MVP, first ballot Hall of Famer at the helm to lead the way. No wonder Matt LaFleur enjoyed that those Packers teams were player-led. Wow. Wow. That sentence. I That sentence is That very, last sentence is jarring. Ooh. This yeah. is a masterful, masterful paragraph. That is, it's a great email. I mean, I, I would love to know what fans think of that because I don't. It's hard to argue everything that he just said. Although crying his eyes out is a, a complete hyperbole, exaggeration. Bit of a stretch. Bit of stretch. Yeah, but he certainly was emotional. But I, and I, I don't. I would never say shy away from being emotional. But that was a weak look for our leader and head coach. That was just weird to see from an NFL head coach. I've never seen anything just like that. He looked see. on the verge of tears. We talked about this at the time, but he was on the verge of tears almost in, in a panic sense. He said it, like kind of like in a panicked, like it was a very strange, just not a typical 
before half interview, it looked like he was very much like unhappy with and and showing it to the media and on national TV. It was a surprise. So I don't know. I, I don't know what to think of that. I don't know what to make of it. But it's hard to argue about in a positive light for Matt LaFleur as a leader of men at this point. And although, again, we don't know the full extent of that. We've seen now for whatever year we're in with him for. Uh, it's been quite a long journey where we've had Aaron and we've had other long-tenured Green Bay Packers players, Mason and and Devontae at the time, and Mercedes Lewis, and just go down the list of multiple guys who are really doing the majority of the heavy lifting when it when it comes to leading players and bringing in rookies and showing them what it looks like to be a professional. Now, all of that is really on Matt and his coaching staff and the decisions Matt makes and the weak non-decisions he makes, you know, week in and week out. So it just looks like he's flustered at times. And he lets things get to him very obviously. And I don't know. I, I Just an incredible email from Kirk because it highlights something that I don't think many fans can fully grasp. So I would be very interested to know what other fans think about Matt LaFleur in general because that, that was jarring. No wonder Matt LaFleur enjoyed that those Packers teams were player-led. No wonder. No, that that's like, yeah, that's great writing. Um, he certainly did enjoy that because it made his job a lot e- easier, I'm guessing. I imagine. It had to have. Mercedes Lewis in your tight end room, I mean, do you really have to coach your tight ends? Obviously you do. But, <laughs> um, but no, that was a great email. Thank you so much, Kirk. Um, I think that reflects a pretty good portion of the fan base mindset regarding Matt LaFleur. Got a lot of Matt LaFleur emails. Um and it's hard to defend him right now because it's like, okay, he is kind of under a microscope now that Aaron's gone and um, the early returns are not very great. But I'm not uh, I'm not ready to bail on him by any means. You know, I think we know what he gives us as an offense. I think, you know, it hasn't been true the last two weeks, but I think generally he's a good play caller and he makes the right decisions. He goes for it on fourth down when he should. He goes for two when he should. I think he's a smart, analytical head coach. And for the most part, I think he's a good play designer too. But um, he kind of needs to – it feels like he kind of needs to take that next evolutionary step with the offense. Um, Before we get out of here, Bron, I got one last email here. Now, this one I'm only playing because I found it quite bizarre. (laughs) Thought we had to play it. Um, I want to talk to you now, please. And don't try to, like, hang up on me because, you know, I have, like – real things to tell you because a quarterback actually sucks and you need to get rid of him now please like i'm not even joking literally literally start start sean clifford like actually like please please can you can you just please start sean please start sean clifford please start please start sean clifford please start sean clifford I want to know who this lady is. I really do. I want to know wow. if she thinks we are the Packers. I think we get a lot of emails and voicemails from people who think we are the Packers, usually older people. This lady does not sound very old. Um, I'm interested in who she is. If I had to guess, I would probably say Sean Clifford's sister or something. Wow. I'm just speechless with that one. <laughs> it's so strange. 
so confusing. Does she think we're the Packers? Because at the beginning she says, don't hang up, don't hang up. Uh, lady, I'm not on the phone. This is a voicemail. <laughs> well, Bron, I thought that was a good one to uh, leave off on because I don't know what any of that meant. So we're going to end it there. Thank you so much for listening. If you're still listening, you can follow us on Instagram. You can follow me on Instagram, all day Packers, Bron, Instagram, <laughs> without leapers. You can follow the show on Instagram at today in Town. Follow us on threads too. We're both on threads. Bron, how do you like threads? You think it's going to take down X, the everything app? Can you shut up? Well, we're going to be back on uh, Monday. We're going to record after the game on Sunday. That should be out Sunday night, Monday morning. And then we're going to do another midweek show next week, um, just like this one, with voicemails and emails responding to you guys. So if you want to have your take featured on the next week's show, I suggest waiting until after this Broncos game. But you can email us today, insightletown at gmail.com. You can call the voicemail number to leave a voicemail, 920-412-7997, to have your take potentially featured on the show. So that's going to do it for us. Um, follow us on threads. Like I said, follow Braun on threads at Lambo.Leapers. Thanks for listening to this episode. Follow us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you're listening. And go Pack Go. Thanks for listening, everybody. Same time next week.